Hello, and welcome to this special joint presentation between All You Can Hear and Cajun Greatness. For our holiday season, we would like to bring to you our performance of A Christmas Carol, starring me, Justin, as Ebenezer Scrooge. And then from the All You Can Hear crew, we've got Pat, Wenzel, and Colt as literally every other role. For those purists out there like myself who adore and revere Charles Dickens' immortal classic, please rest assured I have taken this entirely seriously. For those of you who have a more liberal view of how a classic should be treated, please rest assured that no one else in this production took it seriously. But now, please sit back and enjoy all You Can Carol, the Cajun Greatness Edition. Marley was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatsoever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was considered good for any piece of business he chose to put his hand to. Marley was as dead as a doornail. Now, I don't know what there is particularly dead about a doornail. I would think a coffin nail would be a deader piece of iron, but far be it from me to change the expression or the country's done for. So permit me to repeat, once again, empathetically, that Marley was dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead. Of course he did. How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and he had been partners for, I don't know how many years. Scrooge was his sole executor, his sole administrator, his sole friend, and the only man who mourned him. If Scrooge can be said to have mourned at all, and the mention of Marley's funeral brings me back to the point I started from. There's no doubt that Marley was dead, this must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am going to relate. Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name. There it stood, years afterward, above the warehouse door, Scrooge and Marley. The firm was known as Scrooge and Marley. Sometimes people new to the business called Scrooge, Scrooge, and sometimes Marley, but he answered to both names. It was all the same to him. It was bitterly cold, and the fog was thick as pea soup on that Christmas Eve of 1843. When Scrooge sat busy in his counting house with his clerk nearby trying to warm himself at a candle, but since he didn't have much of an imagination, he failed. What are you doing, Cratchit? The fire's gone out, sir. Poke it, man, poke it! Coal is momentary, and coal is costly. You've got garments to keep you warm. Yes, Mr. Scrooge. A Merry Christmas, Uncle! Huh? I said a Merry Christmas, Uncle. God save you. Bah, humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle? Surely you don't mean that. Of course I mean it. Merry Christmas indeed. What reason have you to be merry, you poor enough? Come, Uncle. What reason have you to be dismal? You're rich enough. <laughs> bah, away with Merry Christmas. What's Christmas to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer? 
If I could work my will, nephew, any idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Uncle! Nephew! You keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Love of good has done you. Well, there are many things from which I have benefited. Even if they didn't show a profit, I dare say. Christmas among the rest. I have always thought of Christmas as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of silver or gold in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. Another sound out of you, Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your position. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come and dine with us tomorrow. I'll see myself in hell first. But why, Uncle? Why did you get married? Because I fell in love. <laughs> love. That's the only thing in the world sillier than a Merry Christmas. Good afternoon, nephew. But why, Uncle? Why? Good afternoon, I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry to find you so resolute. We've never had a quarrel, you and I, but I came all this way to give you greetings of the season, and I'll keep my Christmas humor to the last. So a Merry Christmas, Uncle, and a Happy New Year. Humbug. And a Merry Christmas to you, Bob Cratchit. Thank you, sir. A Merry Christmas to you. Hello, sir. I, I have have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley is dead. In fact, he died seven years ago this very night. Oh, I'm quite sorry to hear it, but I have no doubt his generosity is well represented by his surviving partner. <laughs> At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and needy who suffer ever so greatly at this present time. Many thousands are in wait of basic need. Hundreds of thousands. For we want a common comfort, sir. Are there no prisons? Oh, no, sir. There's still plenty of prisons. And the workhouses? Still in operation, I assume? <laughs> they are. So I wish I could say they were not. The treadmill in full vigor? Oh, yes, sir. Very busy, sir. Good. I was afraid from what you had said that something had stopped them in their useful course. Um, if you feel are trying to raise a, raise a fund to buy some, some meat and drink and some warming means for them, we choose this time because it's a time, above all others, when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. What shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, you must be anonymous then. I wish to be left alone. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. My taxes pay for the prisons and the poorhouses. The homeless must go there. Oh, no, sir. But many go can't go there. Many would rather die. If they'd rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Well, Cratchit, you'll want all day tomorrow, I suppose. It's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I was to hold back half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, no doubt. And yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. It's only once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. 
but be here all the earlier the next morning. Oh, yes, sir. I shall. Certainly shall. Father! Hello, my dear son. Father, I've been waiting for you. Let's go by Cornhill and watch the children play. Someday you'll be there, too. I feel that I'm getting stronger every day. <laughs> Do you remember what tomorrow is? Christmas Day. And I have the whole day off to celebrate with my family. Hurrah for Christmas. Oh, Scrooge. He was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone. He was. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Secret, self-contained, and solitary as an oyster. He lived in chambers which had once belonged to his deceased partner. Upon arriving in his chambers, Scrooge took off his cravat, put on his dressing gown, slippers, and his nightcap, and sat down before the fire to take his gruel, for he had a cold in his head. It was a very low fire indeed. Nothing on such a bitter night. He was obliged to sit close to it and brood over it. Before he could extract the least sensation of warmth from such a handful of fuel, Scrooge! Scrooge! Humbug! I won't believe it! What do you want with me? Watch! Who are you? Ask me who I was. Pedantic, but all right. Who were you then? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Marley? I don't believe it. Why do you doubt your senses? Because a little thing can affect them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. You may be in a bit of undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese. Yes, there's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. dreadful apparition! Why do you trouble me? Man the world of mine. Do you believe in me or not? I do, I must. But why have you come to me? It is required of every man that his spirit should walk abroad among his fellow men, travel far and wide. And if that spirit does not go forth in life, it shall be condemned to do so after death and witness what it cannot share. It might have shared and turned to happiness. Woe is me. You are fettered. Tell me why. I wear this chain. I forged it like I made it link by link by link, yard by yard, and bored in my own free will. Is the pattern strange to you? Or would you know the weight and the length of the strong core you bear yourself? It was a long and heavy as this seven Christmas Eves ago. You've it on me ever since. You've this chain. Jacob, please, speak comfort to me. I have nothing to give. I cannot rest. I cannot linger anywhere. My spirit never walked beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hell. Well, with me. But you were always a good man of business. Business? Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, massive forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. <laughs> my time is nearly done. I will, Jacob, but don't be hard on me. I'm here to warn you that we have yet a chance of escaping my fate, and chance I have procured for you, Ebenezer. 
You always were a good friend to me, Jacob. Thank you. You'll read this. You will be visited by a fairy spirit. Is, is that the chance and hope of what you spoke? It is. Oh, well, then I think I'd rather not. Without all your fair visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one. Can't they all come at once and have it over with, Jacob? Expect the second on the next night at the same hour, and the third upon the next night when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. Look at me to see me no more. And for your sake, take care that you remember what has passed between us. <laughs> And with that, the spirit of Scrooge's partner vanished, leaving him once again alone in his rooms. And so, Scrooge lay in his bed and thought, and thought, and thought it over, and could make nothing of it. The more he thought, the more perplexed he was, and the more he endeavored not to think, the more he thought. Marley's spirit bothered him exceedingly. Every time he resolved within himself that it was all a dream, his mind flew back again like a strong spring released to its first position and presented the same problem to be worked all through. Was it a dream then? Quarter past? Half past? Quarter to it? The hour itself? And nothing. Scrooge! Ah! Are you the spirit whose coming I was told about? I am! Who and what are you, sir? Long past? No, your past! Perhaps you could turn down that light that accompanies you. What? Would you soon put out the light I give? Yours are the dark passions that extinguish the light of truth. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. What brings you here? Your welfare, of course! A night of unbroken rest would be more conducive to my welfare. Your reformation, then! Take heed! Rise and walk with me! Good heavens, I was a boy here. Do you remember the way, Ebenezer? Remember it? I could walk it blindfolded. Strange that you've forgotten it for so many years. Why, I know those boys. They were my friends. Hello, lads. Hello. These are merely shadows of the things that have been. They cannot see or hear you, you dummy. This store is not quite empty, is it? A solitary child neglected by his friends is left there still. Yes. Poor boy. Poor lonely boy. Dear, dear brother! Little Fan, you've grown! I've come to bring you home, dear brother! Home, little Fan? Yes! Home for good and all! Father's much kinder than he used to be! He was in a pleasant mood just the other night, so that I was not afraid to ask him once more if he might come home! And he said yes! You should! And he sent me to bring you! Ebenezer! Father's arranged an apprenticeship for you! You're to be a man and begin your career! You'll never have to spend another moment in this dreadful school! But first, we'll be together all Christmas long and have the merriest time in the world! Your sister was a frail creature, but she had a large heart! So she had spirit, I'll not contradict, God forbid. Your sister died a young woman, but she did have children! Yes, one child. Your nephew, Fred! <laughs> yes. Come along, Ebenezer, it's time to see another Christmas! Do you know this place? Know it? I was an apprentice here. Look, it's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart, Fezziwig alive again. And Dick Wilson, my best friend. 
Ebenezer, you know what to like, my boy. It's Christmas Eve. Clear all this nonsense away, all of you. We must make room. <laughs> Life's too soft for all this wicked play. It's time for a party, I see. <laughs> Why does this fancy wig deserve such praise? You only spent a few pounds on your mortar money. It's more than that, spirit. He had the power to make us happy or unhappy, to make our work pleasant or a burden, and the happiness he gave to us was as great as if it cost a fortune. What is it? Nothing. Something, I think. No, no, it's just that I would like to be able to say a word or two to my own clock just now. That's all. A young woman you're with. There was another Christmas with her. Was there not? Oh, please, spirit. Do not show me that Christmas. Another idol has displaced me, Ebenezer. What idol has displaced you? A golden one. There is nothing in this world I fear more than a life doomed to poverty. You fear the world too much, Ebenezer. I've seen your nobler virtues fall away one by one until nothing is left but one master passion, the pursuit of profit. What then? Even if I have grown wiser, I haven't changed my feelings towards you. Oh, Ebenezer, I promised to one another as an old one. We made it when we were young and poor, and happy to remain so until we could improve our fortune together with patience and hard work. But you've changed. You are not the same man. Tell me. Ebenezer, if all of this had not happened, would you seek me out and try to win me now? A poor girl with nothing to make the marriage. Oh, just as I thought. You may feel sad now, but it will pass. May you be happy in the life that you've chosen. Spirit, show me no more. Why do you delight in torturing me? I told you! These are shadows of the things that have been. But they are what they are. Do not blame me. Leave me. Scrooge slipped into the silence of a dreamless sleep before the clocks began to chime the hour. Better man, I am the experience of Christmas present. You have never seen the lights of me before, have you? <laughs> no, never. You've never walked forth with any of my elder brothers. I don't think I have. Do you have <laughs> many brothers, spirit? <laughs> More than 1,800. <laughs> Tremendous family to provide for. Come take my robe, Ebenezer. Ebenezer, screws let us fly. Is there a peculiar flavor in what you sprinkle from your torch? <laughs> there is indeed my own. Would it apply to any kind of dinner on this day? To any kindly given to take a poor one most. Why to a poor one most? Because it needs it the most! Well, why have we come to this odd corner of the town? It's Christmas here too, you know. It's the Bob's Cratchit House. Well, who is that? Mrs. Cratchit, of course! Why have you ever gotten to the old 
blessed father then. And your brother, Tiny Tim. And if Martha wasn't late last Christmas, only by half an hour. Here I am, mother. <laughs> and Martha, how late you are. We had a great deal of work to finish at the millions last night. And a great deal of clear away this morning. But well, never mind that. Sit your trotters down your home now. Sit down and warm yourself, dear. Father, be how many minutes? Hide, Martha, hide! She won't be coming home for Christmas this year, you out, I'm afraid. What? Not coming for Christmas? Oh, yeah, I'm for that. I like it. Come, Tim. Come here to pudding singing in the cover. All right, there's him out with it. He behaved himself in chance. He did. As good as gold. And better. Somehow he gets thought of sitting by himself too much. And thinks the strangest thing yet. He told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple. <laughs> and it must be blessed for them to remember on Christmas Day who made the lame beggars walk in blood and sea. But he's growing stronger every day. I just know it. All right, all right, settle down now. Martha, help me with this blessed goose. There's a goose, Father. Such as we never had before. Such a goose. The smell of sage and onion. Mother out there herself this year. We got it for a good price, Father. He wasn't expensive at all. God bless us. God bless us. Everyone! <laughs> I had no idea Cratchit had a crippled son. I wonder why. Tell me, spirit, why does he sound like that and will the boy live? Hmm, <laughs> I see a vacant seat at this table and a cross without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, this child will die. No, no spirit. Say he will be spared. If these spirits remain unaltered for the future, none other of my race will find him here. What difference does it make then? He is likely to die. Then let him die and decrease the Serapis population. You use my own words against me. Yes. So in, in that future, perhaps you will hold your tongue until you discover what Serapis population and where it is. But who are you to decide who shall live it and who shall die? It may be this in the sight of heaven. You're no more worthless and less fit to live than the millions like this poor man's child. And I one's a toast. I'll give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of our feast. <laughs> <laughs> the founder of our feast, indeed. I wish I'd had him here. I'd give him the piece of mine right to beat upon. I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. He can clear off. Oh, my dear, the children, Christmas Day. It should be Christmas Day when one would drink to the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling as Ebenezer Scrooge. No one knows him better than you, Bob. Oh, my dear! Have a little cherry! <sighs> well, all right then. I'll drink to his health for your sake and for, and for the day's sake, but not to his. 
Long life to him, and a merry Christmas and a happy new year. I have no doubt he'll be very merry indeed and very happy. Hey, Mr. Scrooge! Hey, Mr. Scrooge! He said that Christmas was a humbug. He believed it too. <laughs> what show for him, Fred? He's really a comical old fellow, and not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offenses carry their own punishment. I have nothing to say against him. I'm sure he's very rich, Fred. At least you always tell me so. Well, his wealth is of no use to him. He doesn't do any good with it. He doesn't make himself comfortable with it, and he sincerely doubt you would ever consider befitting us with it. <laughs> well, I have no pity for him. Oh, but I have. Who suffers by his ill wills himself always? Here he takes it into his head to dislike us and he won't come and dine with us. What's the consequence? He loses some pleasant moments which could do him no harm. I mean to give him the same chance every year whether he likes it or not. I think I may have cracked the old boy yesterday if I do say so myself. <laughs> he has given us plenty of merriment and I'm sure he would be ungrateful not to drink his health. Here's to Uncle Scrooge. Uncle Scrooge! <laughs> You grow old, spirit. I do. My life upon this globe is very brief. I believe it will end upon the stroke of twelve. But spirit, I've learned so much from you. Don't leave me. I leave you with the spirit of Christmas yet to come. You mean the future? Must I? Go forth and know him better man. <laughs> Scrooge was left standing on his own as a tall cloaked figure approached him from the fog. Hmm. I take it that I am in the presence of the spirit of Christmas yet to come. You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened but will happen in the time before us. Is that not so, spirit? Spirit, I fear you more than any spectre I have yet seen. Will you not speak to me? The spirit raised a gaunt hand, pointing down the street with a commanding presence that could not be ignored. Very well. Lead on then. The night is waning fast and it is precious time to me. Lead on, spirit. What? I know those men. In this place. It is the stock exchange. It is a second home to me. No, I don't know anything about it. Either way, I only know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. Why, what does it matter with him? I thought he'd never die. Oh, God knows. Don't tell me what has been done with his money. I haven't heard. Left it with his company. <coughs> Perhaps. I only know he hasn't left it to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's likely to be a cheap funeral. I don't know anybody would go to it. Suppose we make up a party and volunteer. I don't know if it's going to have a lunch as provided, but I must be fed for all the trouble it's worth. <laughs> well, it seems little matter to me anyway. I'll never wear black gloves and I'll never eat lunch, but I'll go to I'll offer to go. If everyone else will, we'll off to business. Goodbye. Goodbye. I know those men, spirit. Of what poor wretch do they speak? The spirit turns and points in the opposite direction, revealing a greasy, bedraggled old man sitting on a chair and surrounded by an odd collection of old iron rags, old clothes, moldy books, bottles, and refuse. 
two old crones and a man in black slink into the room carrying bundles. I was here first, Mrs. Dilber shall be after me. And then the Undertaker's back can be burned. Isn't this something joke? All of us back here without meaning it. You could have met in a better place. Come in and sit. Don't be shy. We're all suitable to our calling. We're well matched, be sure. <laughs> Come in. What odds, did? What odds, Mr. Dilber? Every person is an Undertaker in the Sims. He always did. That's true, indeed. No man more so. Well then, don't stand staring as if you were you was afraid, woman. Who's the wiser? We're not going to pick holes in each other's coats, I suppose. No, indeed. We should hope not. Oh, well then, who's the worst for the thoughts of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. No, indeed. If he wanted to keep him after he was dead, the wicked old screw, why wasn't he more natural in his lifetime? If he had, we'd have bet somebody to look after him when he was stuck with that instead of lying, gasping out his last day all alone by himself. That is the truest word that's ever been spoken, Mrs. Oliver. It's a judgment on him. I wish it was a little heavier one, and it should have been. You can go on it. If I could lay my hands on anything else. Now, open that bundle, old Joe, and let me know. It's value to you. Speak out plain. I'm not afraid to be the first, nor afraid for them to see it. We knew pretty well that we were helping ourselves before we met here, I believe. It's no sin to see you to one's livelihood. Ah, Mr. Tackleton has been a busy man. Let's see. A seal, a pencil case, a pair of sleeve buttons. I'll give you one pound eight and not another sixpence. If I was to be bored for not doing it, who's next? Ah, uh, quite a stash, Mrs. Dilber. Of course, I always give too much to the ladies. It's a weakness of mine, and that's the way I ruin myself. <laughs> Three pounds even, Mrs. Dilber. If you ask me for another penny, I made it an open question. I repent of being so liberal and knock it off half a crown. And now I do my blunder, Joe. I was the first. Ah, uh, what do you call this? Bed curtains? <laughs> Bed curtains? <laughs> You don't mean to say you took him down, rings and all, with him lying there. And why not? He wasn't apt to catch his cold without him, I dare say. <laughs> I hope he didn't die of anything catching, eh? Don't you be afraid of that. I wasn't so fond of his company that I'd lured him out if he did. <laughs> oh, you may look through that shirt till your eyes ache, but you won't find a hole in it nor a threadbare place. It's the best he had, and a fine one too. They'd have wasted it if it hadn't been for me. What do you call wasting it? Why, putting on him to be buried him to be sure. <laughs> Four pounds and six shillings and two pence, and not a penny more if I was to be bold for it. And that's how it ends. He scared everyone away from him and he was alive. The prophet of when he was dead. <laughs> Spirit, this is a fearful place. Surely there can be no reason to bring me to this godforsaken part of the city, except that the case of this unhappy man might be my own. But surely there is someone who feels some emotion caused by this man's death. The spirit turned and pointed as Scrooge saw lights come on, on a family table, where two children are seated. A mother is pacing back and forth as her husband enters. Oh, oh finally you come, Thomas. What have you heard? Is it good? Is it bad? It is bad, I'm afraid. I'm reviewing, Thomas. Did he deny the extra time you asked for? Has he evicted us? No. There is hope yet, Caroline. Only if he repents. 
He is past pre- repenting, dear. He is dead. Uh, uh, well, then to whom will our debt be transferred? I don't know. But before that time, we will be ready with the money. And even if we weren't, it would be bad fortune indeed to find a creditor who is as merciless as he was. We may sleep tonight with light hearts, Caroline. Spirit, I ask to see some emotion connected with this man's death, and you show me only pleasure. I demand to be shown some tenderness connected with death, or I will be haunted by that dreadful scene forever. Oh, merciful heavens. And he took a child and sat him in the midst of them, and he said to them, whenever you welcome a little child, you welcome me. <sighs> this kind of hurts my eyes. Yeah, let it now. The candlelight makes them weak. But I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home. Not for the world, I wouldn't. I must be near his time. Pass it, rather. But I think he's walked a little slower than he used to these last few evenings, Mother. Uh, yes, yes. I've known him to walk with. I've known him to walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulder very fast indeed. So have I. So have I. It's all right. Me too. But he was very light to carry, and his father loved him so. But that was not so much trouble. No trouble at all. Wait, is that your father now? I went by there today. Here's why I'm late. I wish you had been there. It would have been so good to see you green it was. But you'll see it often. I promise you, pal, we'd walk there every Sunday to visit him. You see, I'm sure none of us will ever get tiny Tim, shall we? No! Never, father! Never! And I know it well, my dears. And we should remember how patient and mild he was, although he was a little, little, little child. <laughs> we should not quarrel among ourselves and, and not forget our little Tim in doing it. No, Spirit, something tells me that the moment of our parting is at hand. I know it, but I don't know how. Tell me, the man who was spoken of, the one who died, who was he? Spirit raises his hand to a distant gravestone, lonely and unkempt. Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of things that will be, or are they the shadows of things that may be only? The course of a man's life, if persevered in, will determine certain ends. I accept it. But if he departs from those courses, the ends must change. Say it is so with what you show me. Scrooge fell to his knees as he read the name on the gravestone. Ebenezer Scrooge. Spirit, hear me. I'm not the man I was. Why show me this if I have passed all hope? I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will remember the lessons of the past. I will live in the present and I will live towards the future. The spirits of all three will strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Hope tell me that I may spot you where the writing on this stone. Spirit, please. Where am I? Wait, what day is this? It's morning, but what day? How long have I been with the spirit? I don't know. Alive! I'm alive! Oh, they're still here. They're not torn down. They're here. And I'm here. I don't know what to do. I feel as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. You, boy, what day is it? Me, sir. (laughs) Yes, 
you, boy. What day is it today? Why, it's Christmas Day. Christmas Day? Are you quite sure, my good fellow? I should say I am. <laughs> then the spirits have done it all in one night. Why, of course, they can do anything they like. Of course they can, of course they can. <laughs> Hello, my fine fellow. Hello. Hello. Do you know the polter is in the next street but one? I should hope I do. <laughs> what a wonderful young boy. A remarkable boy. Small child. Terribly deep voice. Do you know where they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging up there? What? The one big as me? <laughs> what a delightful boy. Yes, the six-foot turkey. Yes, <laughs> that one. It's hanging there now. Oh, is it? Go and buy it. Oh, come now. No, no, no. No, I'm in earnest. Go and buy it and tell him to bring it back to me. Come back with the man and I'll give you a shilling. Come back with him in less than five minutes and I'll give you half a crown. You got it, mister. <laughs> I think I'm going to like children. <laughs> I'll send it to Bob Cratchit's. He won't know who sent it. I won't tell him. <laughs> it's 17 size, the size of Tiny Team. It's huge. <laughs> oh, heaven and Christmas time be praised. I say it on my knees, Jacob Marley. On my knees. Hello. Ah, here's the turkey. Hello, how are you, my boy? So tall. Merry Christmas, my fine fellow. Merry Christmas, sir. <laughs> it's impossible to carry that to Camden Town. You must have a cab. Camden Town, sir. Yes, indeed. This splendid turkey is to be delivered immediately to the home of Bob Cratchit and family in Camden Town. Here, I've written the directions down, and here is the money for the turkey. Thank you, sir. And here is the money for the delivery. Thank you, sir. And here is a tip for you, sir. Thank you, sir. And here is a half a crown for you, my boy. Well deserved. Very well deserved. Thank you, sir. Damn. <laughs> and a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, sir. My dear sir, how do you do? Mr. Scrooge? Yes, that is my name. I fear it isn't pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your forgiveness, and if you'll have the goodness, sir, please put me down for... Lord bless me, my dear Mr. Scrooge, are you quite serious? Not a farthing less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Will you do me that favor? Well, yes, my dear sir. I don't know what to say to such generosity. Oh, don't say anything. I am much obliged to you. I thank you 50 times. Bless you both and a Merry Christmas. Would you believe it if I told you that Scrooge walked about the streets and watched the people hurrying to and fro and patted children on the head as they passed and questioned beggars and looked down to the kitchens of houses and up to the windows and found that everything could yield him pleasure? He had never dreamed that any walk that anything at all could give him so much happiness. In the afternoon, he turned his steps toward his nephew's house. Oh, Fred, it's beautiful! And it's too much. You shouldn't speak so much. But I love you, my dear, and my wife shall have the best on Christmas Day. Oh, Fred, I love you so. But not just for this. I know, my dear, I know. Look at me! Damn. Just as we were about to do it, I don't know. No one's expected at this hour. <clears throat> Hello, Fred. Uncle Scrooge! I've come to dinner, Fred, if you'll have me. Have you? Of course we'll have you. Hurrah! Uncle Scrooge, you've made us both very happy. I am sorry for the things I said about Christmas, and sorry for the poor reception I gave you yesterday, of which you were so undeserving. God forgive me for all the time that I've wasted. <laughs> Sixteen minutes late, eh, Cratchit? <laughs> what do you mean by coming in here at this time of day? 
I'm very sorry, sir. I am behind my time. Step this way, if you please, Cratchit. It's only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday with my family. Now, I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm not going to stand for this any longer. And therefore... And therefore... And therefore, I am going to double your salary. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Bob. Yes, Bob, a merrier Christmas than I've given you in many a year. I'm going to double your salary for a start, and I will endeavor to assist your family in any way I can. And as for Tiny Tim, we'll get him well again. I know we will, Bob. But we'll discuss the particulars over a bowl of smoking bishop. Now stoke up the fires before you dart another eye, Bob Cratchit. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all, and infinitely more, and to Tiny Tim, who did not die. He was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew. And ever afterward, it was always said of Ebenezer Scrooge that he knew how to keep Christmas and keep it well. If any man alive possessed the knowledge, may that be truly said of us and of all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God Thank you so much for listening to this special episode. We had a great deal of fun making it, and we hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, if you want to know what's going on with the All You Can Hear crew, then please uh, flip over to their channel for this two-channel release of A Christmas Carol and listen to the plugs at the end of their episode. For those of you who are curious about the future of Caging Greatness, rest assured that we are planning a comeback in the new year, and what that'll look like as of right now, we're not entirely sure. We've definitely enjoyed the break that we've taken this past year. We were very tired doing this show every week, in addition to living full, exciting lives, was a lot. So thank you for bearing with us, and we will see you very, very soon. Much sooner than you expect. In fact, we might be outside your house right now. Anyway, thank you for listening, and please, as you go, enjoy these absurd outtakes, things that didn't make the show itself because they were terrible and or hilarious. Here you go. Rolling. Who's Peter? I don't know. You three were supposed to decide that. <laughs> of your... <laughs> oh, Nobody oh, oh, Peter. No, no, I... I... Hello. Ah, here's the turkey. Hello. How are you, my boy? So tall. Merry Christmas, my fine fellow. Merry Christmas. No, I'm the poulterer. Fine. No, I'm just saying Merry Christmas. And rolling. He said that Christmas was a humbug. He believed it, too. <laughs> More shame to him, Fred. Fuck. Ah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's really... <laughs> Go ahead and start over. Okay. Yeah, I fumbled that. <laughs> How absurd. Why couldn't you put the bunny back in the box? How absurd.